Your news programme every morning with up-to-the-minute news and extensive analysis of issues from Korea and abroad. This morning with Alex Jensen on TBS EFM. So it's 8.18. Let's uh, enter into this discussion of the new normal when it comes to central banks and their monetary policies. In the last couple of hours, it's been confirmed the US Federal Reserve's decided to keep its interest rates between 0.25 and 0.5% but also very significantly it now expects to raise rights uh, just a couple of times this year. Uh, it had previously thought uh, that we would be looking at four times in 2016 a rate rise. So that's uh, a shift. On Tuesday, the Bank of Japan froze its benchmark rate in negative territory. Last Thursday, the European Central Bank also continued its below zero benchmark rate. So as we ask what the new normal is. Uh, it's a term that's been talked about since the financial crisis struck years back now. Tamim Bayumi, senior fellow at the Peterson Institute for International Economics, joins us on the line. Good morning to you. Good morning, Alex. How are you? Well, good. Trying to make sense of all this, uh, drawing on my um, economics education years back. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like for many of us, this negative interest rate territory requires a little bit of mental gymnastics. Uh, can you tell us whether this is the new normal in your view or whether we are just going through a strange period in money history? Well, I don't think we're going to have negative interest rates forever, although we might have them for quite some time. Uh, the new normal normally refers to the low growth rate that the world has been experiencing since the crisis. Uh, in other words, it's normally uh, about the disappointing, the slow growth, uh, rate of growth. Uh, the negative interest rates that we're seeing are the response to that as the central banks try and stimulate activity. And one of the ways of doing that is, you know, if you have interest rates at 5%, you lower them to 4%. And what central banks have started experimenting with is whether, rather than leaving them at 0%, you can actually move them into negative territory. And that's what... So these, these, um, these negative rates are all about trying to stimulate the economy uh, at a time when growth remains low. But what would have been viewed as a, a hugely drastic policy move years back... Uh, even maybe a, a decade or so ago. Uh, has that also become the new normal monetary policy? Well, I think we're going to have to see how, you know, what the final outcome of all of this is. But it does seem to me that many, many things which would have been regarded even 10 years ago as uh, very surprising things to do are now becoming... Typical. After all, uh, zero interest rates were very unusual, but those were uh, carried out by the central, uh, you know, by the Federal Reserve until just recently. Uh, and as you know, you know, actually, other central banks have not only have negative interest rates, but have interest rates which are expected to stay negative for uh, several years. It seems, though, 
for ordinary people, those who aren't uh, dealing directly with financial markets, uh, the the benefit if you're looking to loan is very obvious though if, if you're looking at lower interest rates also being offered by commercial banking institutions um, in the days when interest rates were considered to be normal if they were considerably higher obviously if you were taking out a loan you'd be facing a much higher monthly payment yes and that's the objective the objective of these very low interest rates is to stimulate activity by encouraging people to loan, uh, to borrow money, and uh, to some extent in discouraging people from saving money. And so that, you know, the idea is that if you can convince people to spend more, then the uh, spending in the economy will go up and that will stimulate activity. I mean, that's the sort of logic of the, um, of the policy. On the other hand, though, and just to continue spelling this out, if you are looking to save, which um, many of us do want to do as well, and, and you know, there are ISAs and different uh, options out there for saving, but generally speaking, it's a very unfavourable climate. Uh, banks are really just offering security rather than keeping our money under our mattress or something like that uh, if, if their interest rates are so low or even in negative territory? Yes, well, um, that's right. And, you know, as I said, part of the objective here is to actually, if anything, somewhat discourage saving and encourage spending. I do think that, um, you know, one of the things that we've seen, though, is that the commercial banks that you or I put money into have been very reluctant to offer people like you or me negative interest rates understand what a negative interest rate means what it means is that if i put a deposit into a bank and the bank's charging me a negative interest rate i'm paying it for the privilege of putting my money in the exactly bank. now uh banks have been very reluctant to do that for obvious reasons because people as you say can simply take out cash and put it under their uh, mattress so instead of that um, most banks have kept their interest rates either very low or at zero, even if they're facing negative interest rates from the central bank. They can do that because they can charge negative interest rates on corporations who have very large amounts of money, who really, you know, you or I may be able to stick our money under the uh, mattress. Uh, the idea that Bill Gates can do that at Microsoft <laughs> is a bit more difficult to understand. So... You know, sort of those are the guys who they have been able to pass the negative interest rates on to. Indeed. It uh, would be nice to have the problem of having to fill a house with uh, savings, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> and I guess we call that a bank. But thank you for going through that, because I think f for many of us looking on at these financial policies, we uh, are talked over to a certain extent, and it's all about the macroeconomic implications rather than what we do when we're looking to get a new mortgage or whatever the case may be. But here we are in this new era. Is the role of central banks being undermined or is it more important than ever, would you say? Well, you know, the worry for some time has been that central banks are running out of instruments to continue to stimulate the economy at a time when growth continues to be disappointing. Um, on, t on some level, for example, there was a somewhat negative reaction to the move by the Bank of Japan 
to negative interest rates, in part because it was seen as, as a worrying sign that they were running out of you know, things to do. Uh, but, you know, the, the, there is a worry that, that um, you know, central banks have been putting a lot of stimulus into the economy and very little has been happening. And that's caused people to start thinking about whether, you know, other forms of stimulus such as larger fiscal deficits would be a good idea. Um, and so there's a bit of discussion about whether we're using, whether sort of central banks are overburdened and we should be uh, bringing other players in as well. Yeah, I mean, the U.S. Fed operates... Uh in the United States, as the name suggests, but its impact is global, isn't it? It, it, I mean, when we talk about the role of central banks, increasingly, uh, they have all of us in their pocket, and and we're all buffeted by their decisions. So how significant is it that we're now going to look at just a couple of interest rate rises, and maybe they'll backtrack even on that in the future this year? Well, I think, you know, the U.S. Federal Reserve has a unique role in the world, and part of the reason for that is the U.S. financial markets are much larger than anybody else's, and they are markets in which almost every other country has an interest. As a result, the, sort of the U.S. interest rates are in many ways be- benchmarks for the rest of the world, particularly, for example, the 10-year note on uh, U.S. debt, government debt. Uh, as a result, because it's Sort of regarded as a benchmark, the moves in that do affect almost uh, bonds almost everywhere else in the world. Uh, the fact that the U.S. is going to tighten slow, its monetary conditions slower than uh, was previously thought probably means that the increases in uh, bond yields in Korea and other places in the rest of the world will also be slightly smaller. Because, as I say, the U.S. is so uh, such an important player in um, in determining these rates. Yeah, and for many of us, it also has that impact on when we exchange our won into dollars or vice versa. Uh, it, it, <laughs> Well, yeah. It's, it's things like that that many of us will be thinking about. Mr. Bayomi, thank you very much for uh, joining us on the line. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure for me as well. Thank you, Alex. Tamim Bayomi, Peterson Institute for International Economics. Our email's open to you, efmthismorning at gmail.com.